Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, four days until Christmas. How you feeling? Ah, I'm great. Hope you are, Jason. I'm doing great, Bill. Yes, I'm, I'm excited. It's the season. It is. It is. <laughs> I will. I will be out with the horde shopping uh, after the show today. So, we'll, uh, but I, I love this time of year. It's wonderful. Uh, well, it is. It is a wonderful time of year. Uh, no question about it. Although, um, even though it's holiday season, you know, and you would hope it's a time where you can rest, uh, you know, unlike Thanksgiving, Christmas is sort of the opposite. As opposed (laughs) to things slowing down, it's like your list of things to do is huge. I'm, you know, if anybody even has time to listen to the show today, I'll be surprised <laughs> because it's like they got a list uh, a mile long to accomplish uh, this weekend uh, and during the holiday season, and it it really doesn't slow down much until you know New Year's Day, maybe. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> you know. So uh, this this is just uh, a speed up time instead of a, a slowdown time, and that's. But it's still. But like you say, it, it's it is a wonderful time of year where families celebrate and they come together, and uh, of course, again, travel can be uh, pretty taxing on us as well. Uh, that's just another. Uh, 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 part of the pie, if you will, in terms of uh, being able to enjoy the, the time of season. We have to take in uh, some things that uh, are more difficult. And of course, for those of us who take off, which all of us do, uh, it means we have more work to do before we take off and more work to do once we get back. So, <laughs> yay, right? That's right. You, you work real hard to get everything done before that vacation, and then you pay for it afterwards. Okay. So, all right. So, um, the the key, though, is and what makes this time of year so wonderful is that uh, hopefully we get together as families. And um, and so I would be remiss if I did not remind uh, people uh, of things that is important to look for, particularly uh, as our parents or grandparents are aging. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, it's the kind of thing as, as we get older – uh, for some reason, our bodies just don't improve. <laughs> uh, we only have one way to go uh, as we age, and it's not a it's it's not a good thing. <laughs> our bodies just don't work as well, and sometimes they really don't work as well. And so, uh, it, it and sometimes those changes uh, are more subtle. Uh, so. Truthfully, it's those family members that are not around us all year long that typically uh, have the ability to see the changes the best. And so uh, hopefully you're not going to see any signs of weakness or frailty uh, or the like. Uh, and again, it's it's not a matter of whether you're 70 years old or 100 years old because – 
Um, it varies with each. I mean, we're all unique humans, uh, and we have different body clocks. And I've got lots of clients in their 90s who you would think are in their 60s, and they act like it, and they look like it, and it's wonderful. But that's rare. Uh, most of the, I have 70-year-olds that you would, you would think were 110 because uh, they're, they're sick, and they're frail, and they're disabled, and they're not doing well. Um, and so we all have unique body clocks. So it's not really, you know, to me, age is is um, more a matter of attitude than, <laughs> than it is, uh, uh, you know, the number of, of days we've been on the earth. Um, but there are some signs that um, that as family members we need to take notice of if we actually see it. Um, one would, and some of these you can see uh, directly, you know, by observation, and some uh, you, you could even potentially know uh, uh, by telephone or otherwise um, if the senior actually admits it. And of course, that is a rarity because. Most seniors uh, want, uh, because all of us want to stay independent and we all want to stay in control of our own lives. Uh, and that doesn't matter whether you're 30 years old or 60 years old or 80 years old, uh, we all want that. And so as we see our own decline, we uh, sometimes do not um, readily admit that decline to our children or grandchildren. And so, um, but so what are some of the things that we can observe? One would be if our loved ones are missing appointments, uh, particularly doctor's appointments. And uh, could be, I mean, golly day, if my mother ever missed a hair appointment, I would know she was Looney Tunes because that was. <laughs> <laughs> that was something that was real important to her. Uh, so uh, obviously, uh, if uh, missing appointments is, is an observation, uh, um, maintaining hygiene. Uh, you know, um, uh, most of us are real careful. We take, uh, you know, we take showers and baths and every day, and uh, that, that's something that's important to us. Um, but uh, to the degree that somebody's wearing the same clothes every day and they're dirty and, you know, you, you actually – there's an odor about them and that can be for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, it's the, the truth is if someone's not maintaining their hygiene, that's a pretty bad sign. Um, if uh, uh, people uh, get easily disoriented, uh, another one, that's a, a, an easy observation to make. Um, loss of memory, um, you know, uh, loss of memory is not necessarily a sign of dementia, but it's a, it is clearly, uh, for most of us and not all of us, it's simply a sign of aging, you know, because... Um, being forgetful is a normal sign of aging, <laughs> okay? And a, being a little bit forgetful is quite all right, and even 30-year-olds can forget where they put their keys or their glasses or whatever. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that's not necessarily an alarm, but if, if you see that it's a common occurrence, uh, 
that, of course, is not a good sign. Um, stumbling over words is another one. Um, uh, if you see a, a big change in personality, you know, because typically uh, most of us um, have a fairly consistent personality that we're used to. And if we see a major change in the way people act, that, of course, is a sign. Uh, and, of course, part of that uh, is physical aggression, where a person would not normally be aggressive, uh, particularly physically. And, of course, the same thing is true uh, with words, you know, which, of course, can be very hurtful to us. Um, but uh, particularly if it's not like mom or not like dad to, uh, you know, get angry and, and to uh, those kinds of things. Um, you know, if you see a lot of mail around that's not been opened, uh, you know, that of course, would be assigned. If you, uh, now, I don't know how good, uh, you know, spoiled food uh, is another uh, sign. However, I would hate for anybody to look in my refrigerator because I guarantee you there's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's probably about uh, 20% of what's in the refrigerator that needs to be thrown out. Uh, and that may be true for most of us. But, yeah, you know, if you see that, you know, three-fourths of the refrigerator is spoiled, and you have spoiled milk in there that hadn't been thrown out and things like that, that that might be um, uh, sympathy. Okay, other signs would be poor nutrition. And, of course, um, that would be if, if somebody's just not eating, uh, they're losing a lot of weight. Um, um, you know, most of us would think that's a good thing, <laughs> but not necessarily. You know, it's just another sign when you can put it with other things that might help you a little bit. Uh, it, mystery bruises, you know, if if uh, you see some facial bruises or bruises on the arm, that's probably related to falls that somebody's not admitting to. Um, it's really hard to get our loved ones to start using a cane and even more so to get them to use a walker because nobody wants to admit that we actually need one. Um, but, it, it, you know, the truth is is that seniors need to understand that falling is one of the, the most dangerous things to their health. Um, it puts them in the hospital off, often uh, and um, – it sometimes can lead to a, a, a very a rapid declination in their uh, in their overall well-being and, and health, and particularly mental health. If if they hit their head uh, when they fall and things like that, um, another uh, sign can be um, seeing damage to the car that mom or dad's not admitting to. <laughs> you know, there's a extra ding in the car or the, the vendor has a, a, a place in it. Uh, you know, uh, it might mean that mom or dad can't see as well and maybe shouldn't be driving anymore. There's, there are a lot of issues like that. And, of course, for those of us who make those observations, particularly for those of us who live out of town, we need to make sure that we – make those observations to the, the family members who are here. And it's also important as to how we deal with it in terms of uh, approaching mom or dad with some th observations that we're making. And, and that is, it's really important psychologically uh, that we approach it in, I'm here to help you, 
um, want to support you in staying independent and in control is there's things that I can do to help you stay independent and in control because it's those family members who come in and basically say, Dad, you're losing it. I need to take over your, your checkbook. I need to take over this and that, and you can't do this anymore, and you can't do that anymore. Well, guess what happens for those folks? The seniors push you away. It's like, get out of my life. I'm, I'm in control, and I don't want anybody messing with me that way. So it's a really critical thing that the approach to these observations be made in a very supportive way. And you'll, you'll have a rude awakening if you basically do it the other way. So be kind. Yes. <laughs> uh, avoid confrontation as much as possible. And just to quickly review those warning signs or those signs of decline were missing appointments, maintaining hygiene, easily disoriented, loss of memory, stumbling over words, big change in personality, unopened mail, spoiled food, poor nutrition, and mystery bruises. So be on the lookout for those things as you're spending time with family over the coming week. We need to take a quick break. But we're going to take a look at things from the other side of this perspective when we get back. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about him at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, uh, it's the holiday season, of course. Christmas is just a few more days away. And we were just talking about signs of decline uh, to be aware of with your our older family members and loved ones that we're spending time with over the holiday season. But uh, I know you wanted to look at things from the yeah, uh, opposite Yeah, exactly. I want to turn the tables. And, and that is, okay, now this is true for everybody, truthfully, because everyone – Every adult, I should say, uh, should have legal documents where you appoint a trusted person uh, to be able to take care of things at those times when you can't do it for yourself. And, of course, the younger you are, the less concerned you are about that possibility. And so, as a result, a lot of folks uh, don't get legal documents done uh, early on. And the truth is, all of us should have legal documents uh, from an early age. I mean, even an 18-year-old, you're as a parent of an 18-year-old, you're no longer their legal guardian. Uh, They're adults, and you don't have any say necessarily (laughs) in uh, what's going on uh, other than your financial um, bribery. Uh, (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, and the fact that you might be providing a roof over their heads. But uh, what I'm getting at is that it, uh, have even an 18-year-old is better served if they have a health care power of attorney where they appoint you as their health care agent because then there's no question about the fact that you can make medical decisions for them if they're in an accident or, or if something bad happens to them like along those lines. But as we get older and we have our own children, uh, folks should have legal documents, obviously. 
um, uh, because we can't presume that uh, nothing bad will ever happen to us because there are there there will always be a, a small percentage of folks where tragedy does strike. And if you have a plan in place for your children, you can be a, you can control who ends up taking care of your children, and you can control who controls their money and how the money is spent on your children's behalf, and when they should get control of their own money uh, from you. Those kinds of things. If you have a plan, you can do that. And if you don't have a plan, then uh, it really is a bad situation for your children, unfortunately. And then as we get older, uh, you know, seniors should always have a good plan in place for themselves, for their own disability, and and for their death in terms of who gets what when. And that will only happen if you have a good plan in place. And that takes good legal documents. So come see me. <laughs> okay. Now, with that said, it, the the – uh, one of the questions for seniors is, okay, who am I going to choose to help me take care of myself uh, if things uh, don't go so well for me? In other words, if, if uh, I end up in the hospital or if uh, I decline in ways that I'm not predicting right now, or if I know that I'm going downhill and I need to get something in place. Now, that I call that more like crisis planning, but okay, uh, what should I be looking for in a person that I am going to appoint as my agent uh, or as my trustee if I have a trust? Uh, agent under a power of attorney, and we have a financial power of attorney, normally called a general durable power of attorney, and then we have a healthcare power of attorney, a separate document for healthcare decisions uh, called, duh, a healthcare power of attorney. Um, now, but the question is, who do we appoint? And of course, uh, of, um, often, more often than not, there's a knee jerk that, well, I'm, of course, I'm going to appoint my spouse, uh, and then I might appoint my oldest child. Um, and of course, that, of course, sometimes is appropriate, and oftentimes it's not. Uh, and it, and of course, it may not be appropriate, particularly if there's a second or third marriage with children by previous marriage. And so the real question is, who is the best person who is trustworthy to make decisions that will be consistent with decisions that you were you would make if you're acting if you were acting yourself. And so when you appoint a, an agent under a power of attorney, uh, whether it's for health care or finances, or you appoint a trustee uh, to be a tr um, uh, under a trust that you've created, um, that position is what we call a fiduciary job or a fiduciary relationship with you. And uh, the in North Carolina, fiduciary rules mean two things, two basic rules. Number one rule is if they know what you would do, they should do what you would do. That's pretty straightforward. And secondly, if they don't know what you would do, then they should do what's in your best interest. And um, what I would say to you is distance uh, is not necessarily the criteria. Oftentimes people will say, well, my son lives with me, so I'll appoint him. 
or my daughter lives uh, in town, so I'm going to appoint her. I don't want to appoint my son who lives uh, in another state. Uh, but that sh- – I mean, today it's so easy to communicate with people. Uh, just think how easy it is to call somebody up on your cell phone. And um, the, the truth is it's easy to communicate no matter where they are. And so distance is less important um, than what people sometimes attribute it to. So the real key, and of course, uh, is trustworthiness. In other words, can you do you know for a fact that that this person will be honorable, will has an interest in you, uh, is a person who is good at taking care of things, and sometimes that means they're busy. You know, busy people tend to be your best agents because, yes, they're busy because they're active, they're doing stuff. They're, you know, for somebody that's not busy, that's, you know, you know, not working, not, you know, not, you know, has plenty of time on their hands, that person may be your worst agent, <laughs> you know. Uh, it, it's okay to appoint busy people. Obviously, it's nice if they say, yes, it's okay. I'll be happy to be there in the event that you actually need me. Uh, because these are just in-case appointments. You hope that they never have to act, but you want the best person possible. So obviously, if it's a loved one, that's a good thing. And In other words, it's reciprocal. You love them. They love you. They care for you. They're in your life. That's uh, and they take an active interest in your life, and you and of course, if it's a financial appointment, if they um, are well to do financially themselves, that's a good sign. You know, if they're uh, if they don't have enough to eat, that may not be a good person to appoint because they would always have. Uh, a potential conflict of interest where, oh, it's okay if I borrow a little money from mom in order to buy some food or buy a new car or something like that. And so, obviously, those are the kind of things that are really important when you're appointing uh, your agents. And and so it's not necessarily the oldest child. It's not necessarily the person who lives with you or the next door. Uh, it's the person who would always keep your best interest in mind and try to do what you would do. That's the key. It's not an easy decision to make. A lot of thought needs to go into it, and I think you outlined a lot of the criteria that most folks should follow. And if you need help uh, putting these documents together and making these decisions, schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. Call 919 Two five six seven thousand, or go online to wgalaw.com wgalaw.com a quick break and back with more you're listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander on news radio 680 wptf News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong. He's Bill Alexander, and we thank you for joining us this morning. WGALaw.com is the website to find out 
more information about Bill. And Bill, we were just talking about legal documents and um, you know finding a person who makes a, a good trustee. And uh, I think it would be good to have a discussion about what the difference is between a trustee and a, a, an agent, as we call them as well. Well, exactly. Um, most people still call it a power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the proper name now is agent. Uh, the proper name used to be attorney in fact as opposed to attorney at law. But the power of attorney is what most people would say. I'm the power of attorney. And that's fine. That works. Uh, people know what that means. Uh, but the question is, okay, so you have your legal documents. You have your basic legal documents, which basically means that you have uh, a general durable power of attorney for financial and business matters, and you have a health care power of attorney for health care decisions uh, 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 and that's those are important documents to have. Now, I, I say this all the time, but to the to the degree that you are approaching being a senior, and of course that means different things to different folks. Uh, I don't know of anybody that hasn't been offended by getting a letter from AARP at age. 50, because when I turned 50 and got my letter, I'm going, what the heck? I'm still a young man. (laughs) But so for those folks who feel like they're seniors, (laughs) you, even if you have a power of attorney, and this is really hard for me to get people, get it through their heads because everybody thinks, oh, I got one of those. I'm fine. And what I'm what I need to tell folks is that if you're getting into senior years and you're concerned about asset protection planning, the type of power of attorney that 99.99% of the folks who have a power of attorney, and the, you know half the folks don't have any documents at all, but for those who do, most of them, the one document that I almost always, when reviewed, will say, you got the wrong document, you really need to redo this one. It's the general durable power of attorney because most general durable powers of attorney do not uh, actually allow your agent to do asset protection planning for you. And as you get older, um, uh, Typically, people are concerned. How do we protect our house? How do we protect our nest egg? And if you don't have an advanced general durable power of attorney, which very few folks have, then you're basically tying your agent's hands behind their back because most powers of attorney, even though it says it's a general power, is extraordinarily limited in scope in terms of what your agent can do on your behalf. And so... Unless you've gone to an elder law attorney who is steeped in asset protection planning for seniors, you don't have the right document. So now, with that said, then I want to go to, okay, um, what's the difference? Uh, I have those documents, and I've appointed a trustworthy person as my agent, and I've also got a, a successor agent. That's really important for folks to understand that they should appoint the two best people that they can possibly appoint. Uh, one is their primary agent, and then somebody to take over in the event their primary agent can't act on their behalf. But here's the difference. With a power of attorney document, you are authorizing someone to make decisions on your behalf. However, 
your other unless you've talked to them, you're not leaving them any instructions that they have to follow. They basically have to decide for themselves what's in your best interest. Now, then you if you have a trust, which you know a lot of folks do have trust these days, then the question is, well, I've appointed a a trustee to take over after me, a successor trustee, uh, what's the difference? Well, first of all, one of the nice things about a trust, and one reason why I like trust so much, is because we not only appoint our agent, the successor trustee, but we also have a fiduciary duty for them to follow the instructions in my trust agreement because, in essence, a trust is a contract, and the trustee is obligated to do what the contract tells them to do. And so for an individual, one of the things I like about trust is that it should have what we call a disability plan. Well, fact is that... A disability plan gives your trustee instructions on how to take care of you. If if you can't manage your money for yourself, then they take over and they decide. You know, basically, your contract tells them how to take care of you. Whereas, if you don't have a trust, your agent under the power of attorney has the authority to take care of you and pay your bills, but it doesn't give them instructions on what's important to you. And, it, and so they have far more leeway in terms of doing anything they want to do. Now, here's the thing that a lot of folks don't realize, and that's this, that if you have a trust and you have an agent under a power of attorney, that power of attorney document gives your agent under that document zero authority to deal with your trust assets. In other words, being an agent under a power of attorney is not the same fiduciary hat as being the trustee or successor trustee under your trust document. So the bottom line is that the only person who can deal with trust assets is, guess who? What do you think it would be? The trustee. Absolutely. It is the trustee and the trustee alone and, of course, in most trust documents, you'll appoint yourself as the trustee, but you have to appoint someone else to take over if you can't be your own trustee. And so it's that successor trustee who has the ability to manage trust assets. And so if you have a good revocable trust – and this this is also a problem with trust because a lot of folks forget to put their assets in their trust. And, of course, a good trust plan will not only have a good contract, a good trust document, but all of your property will also be in your trust. It will be held by your trustee and managed by your trustee, which for most of us would be ourselves as long as we can do that. And then we've appointed a successor trustee to deal with it later. So the point is this, only a trustee can deal with trust assets and an agent under a power of attorney has zero authority under a trust. So if it now sometimes that agent under your power of attorney is also the same person that you appoint as your successor trustee, but they they would be wearing two 
separate fiduciary hats under those circumstances. And so sometimes it's not the same person, and that can be uh, important. And of course, you can also have co-agents under a power of attorney, and you can have co-successor trustees, which can be extremely helpful, particularly if you have a second or third marriage with children by previous marriages. Uh, sometimes you'll want one of your children to act as trustee and uh, with your spouse sometimes as, as that. And sometimes you don't for one reason or another. So it really, everybody's circumstances are different, just like we're unique human beings and our trusts can be very different and our needs are very different. And the folks whom we are close to um, and the ones that we want to provide for can be very different as well. But in terms of the difference between a power of attorney and a trustee or an agent under a power of attorney, it's, it's important for folks to understand that those are actually two separate fiduciary hats that act independently of each other. They do. And if you need help sorting that out more, schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. Call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000, or go online to wgalaw.com. That's Bill's website, wgalaw.com. There you can find information about scheduling an appointment to speak with Bill, the many services that his firm provides, and you can also uh, register for January's free seminars. You can find that online at wgalaw.com. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jason Kong. He is Bill Alexander, and we've talked about a number of topics today, Bill, but we're going to add another one to the pool here because we're going to be talking about business designations. You know, we're almost into 2020, and folks who are thinking about starting a business or, um, you know, finding out something new to do uh, may need to take some time to think about how, what they will elect as their business entity designation. Well, as you know, that a big part of what I do is asset protection planning. Uh, it's part of estate planning. It's part of business planning, and it's it's very important. And so for those folks who um, have business property or business Interests, and that could be rental homes, it could be a management business, it could be a hobby business, it could be lots and lots of different things. But the truth is, is that having a separate business in the family can be extremely helpful tax-wise to folks. And of course, any time you can save taxes, that's protecting property. <laughs> I love tax planning too. That's a part of it. And so. Um, uh, first of all, uh, to the degree that uh, you have a business, you know, business or property that you're trying to protect. Now, this is not residential. I mean, this is we're not talking about your home. That's not business property. That's your primary residence. But to, let's say you have additional real estate, additional rental property, or you have other business interests. Well. 
Uh, it's how to organize that. And typically, you have one of two choices. One uh, is an LLC, or you have a corporation. Uh, that Either one gives you limited liability. Um, and I'm not going to go into detail over it, but um, – and I would say this. If you're thinking about starting a business right now – you might want to wait until just January the 2nd to file your articles uh, simply to save the $200 uh, from the Secretary of State. Because if you file your for your papers this week, uh, you probably won't get them back till the end of the year anyway. But, um, but the truth is you'll pay your initial fee, and then uh, in the spring you'll pay another $200 to the Secretary of State. Whereas if you incorporate or form your company uh uh, first part of January, then you'll save that two hundred dollars <laughs> for what that's worth. You know, every every hundred dollars counts. That's right. Um, it's uh, so it really uh, comes down to that. But plus, um, if you are thinking about starting a business, then you don't have to worry about any tax or income related to this year and just messing up your own tax strategies and things like that. But. Uh, I like, uh, as a, between the two entities, I like limited liability companies because it gives you far more flexibility tax-wise. Now, you can elect to tax an LLC uh, in one of three ways. You can elect to tax it as a regular partnership uh, or proprietorship. That's, a, uh, that's the default. If you don't make any additional elections, that's what you have. But you can also elect to create an LLC and then have it taxed as a regular corporation or what we call an S-corporation. Uh, and so that uh, gives you um, all of those options. Now, one of the differences is regardless of how you choose to be taxed, if you uh, are an LLC, you have far less paperwork you know, a corporation ha has requirements of having annual shareholder meetings, uh, which need to be in writing, uh, and annual board of d directors meetings, which need to be in writing and in your corporate book. And then the uh, you have to have minutes of the board of directors meetings electing the officers of the of the company and the corporation, and then for the board of directors to de determine the policies uh, of the. Uh, corporation and all of that is part of dealing with your company and so that's extremely important now uh, it's uh, for most of us we're going to recommend uh, that folks uh, that have resources use a trust as their uh, planning and so one of the questions that comes up is well I have an S Corp uh, can I put my S-Corp into my trust? And the answer is yes, uh, and it typically is appropriate, but the trust has to be designed to accept uh, your um, S-Corp depending on the circumstances. And here's, here's the thing. A grantor trust, and all revocable trusts are grantor trusts initially, uh, can accept uh, S corporation uh, stock. In other words, that's a good thing, okay, because the IRS ignores your revocable trust anyway. 
And so uh, your S-Corp stock can go right into a trust. Now, a C-Corp, a regular corporation, your shares uh, can go into a trust without any problem. And your LLC interest can go into a, a, a uh, trust without any uh, problems at all. An S-Corp, though, has an asterisk about it. And so if you have a, an S-Corporation, then your trust agreement needs uh, trustee language on their powers to deal with S-Corp stock. Because, and I'll give you an example. Uh, in almost all of the revocable trusts I do, uh, that trust becomes an irrevocable trust either at the first death, in other words, the death of the creator of that interest, or at the death of the spouse. And it becomes, sometimes it's irrevocable for the spouse and children, and but at least in the ones I do, it's almost always uh, a an irrevocable trust for the, the uh, benefit of the children and grandchildren. Uh, most of my clients like that planning, and that's what we do. Well, uh, in my trust, I always have language for the trustee to be able to break out uh, those interests for the um, benefit of the, uh, of the children because they have separate shares at, at that point. But it's real important for the drafter to know if, if an S-corp is going into the trust because it is one of those things that must be managed by the trustee when the trust becomes irrevocable. And so I'm just putting an asterisk out there for all of those folks who have trusts uh, and they have an S-corp to boot. Uh, They have to have the correct language in their trust agreement to be able to accommodate that uh, S-corp interest when uh, your trust becomes irrevocable. Now, as long as it's revocable and a grantor trust, no problem whatsoever, but it's just one of those things that folks need to be aware of. They do need to be aware of it, and it's probably something they should seek uh, professional assistance with if it's something that they're trying to achieve. And, hey, I know a guy. It's Bill Alexander with WG Alexander & Associates. Go to his website, wgalaw.com, or call 919 256 7,000. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, I hope you and everyone uh, at uh, WG Alexander and Associates has a Merry Christmas. We love doing this program well, with you, and uh, we hope everyone has a safe and wonderful holiday. Thank you. And, and let's not forget all the, there are lots of folks out there that aren't with family. And That's if we true. know of folks like that, let's invite them into our homes and make them part of our family for the holidays. A simple gesture can, like that can go a very long way. That's very well said. We are out of time for today. We hope you will join us again next Saturday at 11. It's Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful weekend.